Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAs. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at, whether you have HA We've got a few recovery periods, we have your back, and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join, and the link is in the show notes for you. Okay, on with the show. Hey everyone, so today we have a special episode. It is a replay from a live HA Society event that we did. I had... Um, the amazing Jamie Reed, Dr. Jamie Reed. She's a doctor of Chinese medicine. I had her come in and share about Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, and how it can play a role, how you can utilize it for your HA recovery. I think that it's one of those things that gets discussed a bit, like, oh, I'm going to try acupuncture and all of that good stuff. 
but we're not all 100% sure why we're doing that, you know, or how we can assist things like acupuncture to work or how we can take the other principles of Chinese medicine into our recovery. And I actually really like it because Chinese medicine has a bit of a, um, a more holistic approach, a bit more, it takes a bit more of an evolutionary approach to like how our body works. And I think that you'll find some really interesting takeaways if you're new to Chinese medicine Um, you'll find some interesting takeaways about like how you can rethink about how you think about food and how you think about your body. So enjoy the show and welcome to Dr. Jamie Reed. Cool. I will um, quickly intro. Okay. For all those listening and watching and present. So Jamie is my acupuncturist, which is fun. Um, doctor of Chinese medicine. And I had first gone to see you like, I don't know, 20, maybe 18, maybe 2019. Um, when I was going through HA in definitely at a time where I didn't want to do the things that I really, really needed to do, which was like gain weight and stop exercising. And I was trying everything else, um, before I had to do that. And so I went and like, lo and behold, you know, it didn't magically get my period back, but it was an important part of like changing my lifestyle and bringing new things in. Um, And then I, so basically I started and stopped and started and stopped, but made sure that, um, you know, the next time I started introducing things like acupuncture, I was, you know, also eating enough and resting enough. And that really opened my eyes and has been really important to me ever since. And so I wanted to have Jamie to come on and kind of talk about like, what is the role that, you know, things like these, like Eastern medicine, what is the role that it can actually provide for women's hormones, essentially? So she's kind of, she's going to introduce herself a little bit more and, dive into this and we can ask questions and stuff after or interject in between. Yeah, but yeah. feel free to interject. Um, do you want me to go ahead and just share this? So you Go guys- for it, please. Okay. Um, let's do this. Share. Okay. Oh, wow. I can see all of you. Wonderful. That's great. Okay. So welcome. Um, thanks for having me on. This is really exciting. It's a uh, different way for me to do this via Zoom. I haven't done any uh, presentations, not, you know, in person before. So this is cool. Um, So basically um, I'll introduce myself. I'm Dr. Jamie Reed. I have a doctorate in Chinese medicine um, and a master's in acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And my undergraduate degree was in nutrition and food science. So I definitely bring a lot of nutrition into my practice and just really trying to to get a a whole lifestyle shift for people when they come in um, is really important to me because it's really helped me in my health journey as well. Um, I'm based in Austin, Texas. I work mainly with women ages 25 to 60 and then athletes as well. So some males um, who come in for um, sports injuries or sports enhancement, um, but I do do see a lot of pain and then 
fertility. Prenatal care is something I really enjoy seeing as well. And then a lot, especially lately, more so stress management has been a huge thing for everybody. So something that um, I've been dealing with a lot with people. So what is Chinese medicine? And I actually can't really see these. Can I minimize these? Sorry. Okay. So Chinese medicine, um, the model is based in the symbolic balance of nature and the human body and how they kind of relate and coexist together. The medicine focuses on looking at the body from a holistic perspective. So not just looking at, oh, I'm coming in to get my period back, or I'm coming in for a low back pain. We look at everything. So when you come in for treatment, the intake is really extensive. We ask a lot of questions that may or may not seem like they're related, but they definitely are. Um, and then Chinese medicine can really help the stage for the body to heal itself. So we're never saying, oh, I'm healing you with this, or this is because we did this. It's really the body setting the stage for the body to um, get back into balance. And a lot of those symptoms and ailments end up going away because the body's in balance that makes sense. Um, oh, it's not letting me move. Oh, there we go. Okay, so modalities of Chinese medicine. Um, everyone knows about acupuncture, right? Acupuncture is the insertion of filiform needles, which is different than those hypodermic needles that um, basically cut the skin open, like when you get a shot. These actually just move skin cells apart, which is so interesting. And then they don't generally bleed, which is cool too, um, just to help elicit a response from that specific point to help um, the body, stimulate the body to, to uh, create a reaction. Um, herbal medicine, so that could be anything from roots to twigs to rocks to resin to pretty much anything found in nature that is taken internally or externally to um, help support and nourish the body. Cupping is also really great. That is applying negative pressure with a suction cup um, to certain areas of the body to reduce inflammation, to bring more blood flow, um, to soften the muscles. And then TCM nutrition, which I think is really interesting um, having a background in Western nutrition. I didn't really feel like I learned a whole lot to help people when I went for my undergraduate. And this nutrition is interesting because its origin is based in nature, right? So the where the food comes from, um, the temperature of the food, the type of chi that it contains. And so a really good example, which seems kind of crazy um, is like walnuts. Walnuts are really helpful for stimulating the brain. They're really healthy for the brain, but they also look like a brain. Um, so it's interesting how it's really that simple. So things kind of like how people talk about, I know this is the same thing, but people talk about how like an avocado looks like a pregnant woman. And so yes. it's like, yeah, absolutely. Food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, kidney beans are really helpful to nourish the kidneys. <laughs> it's like kind of obvious, but then like obvious. It's nice. Mm -hmm. um, and then just lifestyle changes. So things like meditation or breathing exercises or um, affirmations or exercise or lack thereof exercise um, are all part of the modalities that we kind of work with. So um, how is Chinese medicine 
different than traditional Western medicine. I put this in here because it is completely different in many ways, obviously, but um, some of the things that are different really make it more effective in my opinion. Um, so all the treatments, prescriptions, and nutritional advice are tailored to each individual patient. So if somebody was coming in with HA and then another person was coming in with HA, it could be a completely different treatment plan, herbal plan, um, herbal prescription, and like lifestyle changes prescription. So I just thought that that was really cool because a lot of times you go in and I mean, if you go in for back pain, they give you a muscle relaxer and then it doesn't really fix the root cause. And it's just kind of, I mean, it, there is definitely benefits to Western medicine, but in this case, um, just a little bit more tailored. Treatments also can vary from each part, like from each treatment. So for the same person, you may come in one day um, for an acupuncture treatment and it's completely different than the last week because the body changes so rapidly that we are literally looking at you from what face value of where you're coming in from week to week. And herbs can change rapidly too, which is cool because the body's always changing. So it um, creates more of an effective treatment when you're not just doing the same things over and over again, if that makes sense. And then treatments are less invasive. Um, they do have less side effects. One of the uh, things that, one of the side effects that I have noticed that has been interesting is when people are really depleted um, and like almost, I would, I don't wanna say malnourished, but like not nourished enough. They can initially have uh, more of like a healing crisis is kind of what we call it, where you might have some body aches or flu-like symptoms for a day and then things kind of level out, but that's something to expect um, sometimes. But um, generally practitioners are pretty good at gauging that. And so initially less is more when you first start treatment. And then treatment theories are based on treating, treating the root cause rather than the brand, like the symptoms, right? So root versus branch, um, which treating the root does take a lot longer than just treating some of the symptoms, so something to keep in mind. Um, so how can Chinese medicine help with hormone imbalance? Um, well, so there's kind of a, a lot of ways that it can definitely help, but really when we start to treat with anything, but specifically hormone imbalance, we're assessing the body's what we call differential patterns. So there is um, a theory of five elements. So if you can see here, we've got water, wood, fire, earth and metal, those are the elements and they correlate with the 12 channels. Um, and so when those channels are out of balance, um, they can actually work against each other to create more problems in the body. But when they're in balance, they work to support each other. So um, each channel should have a healthy balance of yin and yang. So you can see our little yin and yang here, um, but I'll give you an example. So. If you look at the wood, um, there's an arrow going to fire, right? So if you think about in nature, wood, when you when it uh, it like feeds fire, right? Fire is created from wood, and then when um, wood burns out, it turns into ash, right? And so it turns into earth. So that's the way that it helps into support in that way. But if it's out of balance, if you look at maybe metal, metals a wood like across from the wood, if you think of maybe an ax, right? Ax, axes cut down wood. So they actually 
deplete that wood channel, which is interesting, right? Um, so we want to have a healthy balance of both yin and yang. Um, yang would be on the, the white side, so positive, sun, light, heaven, um, active, heat, and like the yang energy comes out when we're awake. Uh, whereas like the yin, which would be like dark, cold, um, the like sleep, your yin energy comes out while you're sleeping. Um, so if you had not enough yin energy, you may have problems with insomnia or things of that nature. So how does amenorrhea fall into Chinese medicine theory? Um, so there's a couple things that we want to like think about when we think about hormones in general or lack thereof or imbalance of, um, that would be chi, blood, the kidney channel, liver channel, and the spleen channel. So um, I know that this is like all kind of foreign language. So I'm gonna give you like a little transition translation key and then try to explain it the best I can for somebody who doesn't know Chinese medicine. Um, I spent the first two years of acupuncture school, literally just memorizing things and not understanding anything. So I'm going to try to make it really easy, but also helpful. So chi, you could think of chi as energy, right? The, the life force of the body, your will to move, and maybe the, um, like the essay node of the heart, right? Where the heart pumps to pump the blood, chi moves the blood. Blood is obviously blood super basic, understandable. Um, we'll use a word called stagnation. Stagnation refers to like being stuck or lack of flow in the body. And that usually refers is referred to with chi. So like you'd have stagnant energy. So things are not flowing um, how they should. And there's also damp, which is a coagulation of fluids, a retention of fluids that you could think of damp as maybe like phlegm, phlegm in the lungs, um, when you have a cold or um, cysts could be a coagulation of dampness and damp fluids. And then stasis refers to just being stuck as well, but in the sense of maybe blood um, rather than like chi. Do you guys have any questions about that? I know it's kind of like, you guys are probably like, what are you talking about? But no, I actually um, <clears throat> think that's really helpful context going in. <laughs> and it's like pe yeah. people should have to do like a mini course before they kind of. do it yeah. so that they're going in. No, yeah, I like it. Okay, good. It's, it's just, it's kind of a, a foreign language, so to speak. So, um, so some thing to, things to consider before we get into some of the patterns I'm going to talk about is that not everyone falls into just one pattern. Sometimes you can have maybe two patterns or maybe just a portion of one pattern. So um, the way we treat is by treating um, the deficiencies first and then, the, or the excesses first and then the deficiencies second. So you'll understand what I'm talking about when we get into it. Um, also, I did put some food recommendations on here, but these are just recommendations. And um, obviously if you have like an allergy or intolerance to some of these foods, like don't eat them. I'm just, these are things that help support those channels and nourish those channels. Um, so you know your body best. If you know you can't tolerate those, don't do it. Um, and then food is medicine. So for you to make major changes to a system, these should be eaten regularly over time and excessive doses once in a while are not gonna really 
make any shifts or changes. So the first one, um, and I know these terms are kind of strange, but I think with the lifestyle explanations, you'll kind of understand. Um, so the first one is liver, blood, and kidney yang deficiency. Some symptoms of this, um, so period has not started by age 18 or has and has stopped after being really scanty or irregular. So not really having a heavy period or a normal period at all. Um, so symptoms would be like fatigue, low back pain, dizzy, uh, maybe depressed or feeling of cold and maybe like no will to do things. Um, the body type or the type that is generally falls into this category is somebody with like a really low body fat percentage, um, a young athlete who may be an endurance athlete or somebody who's been just really working um, in the athlete scene for a really long time and has never even gotten their period because of their body weight so low. Um, so the nutritional standpoint from that to like help support that would be eating more lamb, venison, kind of more nutrient dense foods and a little bit more fattier, um, healthier fats, but like healthy, yeah, healthier foods, um, grapes, cloves, cinnamon, the kidney beans to support the kidney yang, peas, those are all really helpful. Um, and then lifestyle suggestions would be like, obviously reducing the exercise frequency and intensity, reducing the physical stress, and obviously eating more nutrients dense foods. Is there something that all of those foods have in common or is it that they all provide something different? Um, they, so that's a great question. Um, <laughs> they do a lot, there is some things that they have in common. If you look at the lamb and the venison, those are really hot burning foods like meats. They burn hot in the digestion. So somebody who maybe had acid reflux or like a higher like heat in their body wouldn't be able to tolerate that like somebody who was more kidney yang deficient. So it helps to, those help support that kidney yang. Um, whereas the grapes and the cinnamon can actually help support the blood, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they, they kind of have, it's not like they Different all have things. one specific yeah. nutrient. They do. No, they, and the body reacts to them. Okay. Differently. Yeah. And I actually, if you want, I can add in some, I have full lists. These were like just bits and pieces of things that I know are really helpful for those, but there's a whole food list, um, nutrition, like booklet I have that I could be fun if you guys need it. Yeah. Um, okay, so blood deficiency. So periods can stop after months of scanty menses, uh, dizziness, blurred vision, numbness and tingling, poor memory, insomnia or anxiety, and then bruising easily. So the, the thing you want to think of in this scenario is like almost somebody who is suffering from like anemia. Um, they're not getting enough, they don't have enough iron in the body to help one, like lose any blood when you're having um, a menstruation cycle or, or um, even like having enough energy to like support the body. Does that make sense? Um, so the nutrition for that, obviously we know spinach is really high in iron, beets are as well. Spirulina is great for supporting um, the building of blood and iron but they also, it also helps support energy and um, blood flow to like the extremities. And let's see, bone broth's great for boosting up the blood and um, 
kale, lamb, venison. So a lot of these you're gonna see are very similar because we're looking at um, a blood deficiency. Like if we were looking at something to do with the lungs, maybe like asthma or something like that, the foods, like the different patterns for those would be different than, if, does that make sense? Um, so like the, a lot of the foods that you're gonna see that are nutritionally like suggestions are because we're helping to support a certain type of like hormone or like pattern in the body, if that makes sense, even though the patterns are different. So that's why there's some reoccurring. Um, and then lifestyle cooking with a cast iron skillet is one of the best things that you can do um, for this kind of condition because it helps you actually get iron with the cooking. Um, it is a little bit harder to clean, but you get the, uh, it's like not toxic, which is great. And then another lifestyle recommendation is the deep uh, four, seven, eight breathing technique where you breathe in for four seconds, you hold for four seconds, you exhale for four seconds. And you kind of work up to four, then you work up to seven, then you work up to eight. That's really gonna be helpful for supporting the blood and the lungs to, um, to bring more oxygen to um, the blood. Okay, so the next one is spleen and kidney yang deficiency. Um, the symptoms for this is no periods. This could either be a primary or secondary amenorrhea, fatigue, loose stools, cold limbs, uh, poor appetite, low back pain, bloating, and fluid retention. So this is the type is generally like undernourished. It's maybe somebody who's been on a low carb diet for a really long time, someone who's been working out, trying to like maybe lean out and they're still having digestive issues or um, not ever feeling like they're like leaning out to where they should be if, for the amount of calories that they're taking in. And it's really because the spleen is having a hard time trans, uh, transforming those fluids. So that's where you get that bloating and that fluid retention. Um, so some things that would be really great for this would be sweet potatoes, rice, while those are like more dense carbohydrates, they're actually really helpful for supporting the spleen, so supporting digestion, um, which will also help build and uh, build more blood. Lamb, grass-fed beef, trout. Trout is really helpful. If you think about how trout swims, it swims like upstream um, and it has a lot of chi, so it helps support that spleen chi. That's kind of one of those TCM uh, tricks that they have. And then ginger, cinnamon, oats, almonds, um, chickpeas, and then really trying to make sure that you're eating their foods at a warm temperature. So smoothies would be something that while they're really helpful and healthy for nutrients to get like some good fast um, carbs, it really can actually deplete that spleen chi and the kidney yang. So you want to be eating things that are warmed up, cooked, um, especially in the morning first thing. And then lifestyle um, meditation is gonna be really helpful. Focusing on being present um, and trying not to worry or overthink. One of the things I've we've heard many times, I'm sure I'm sure you guys have heard it too, is that um, if you think of like the depression, when you think of depression, and anxiety, when you're in the present moment, you're just present, right? You're just living in that space and 
if you are living in the past or thinking about things that have already happened and overthinking or worrying about those, um, you can tend towards that depressive side or anxiety where you're worrying or stressing about the future. So really trying to just be present is gonna be really helpful to support that spleen chi. And then um, increasing food intake for sure, especially carbs. Um, carbs are gonna, are really gonna be helpful in this condition and they're helpful in general. They're good for your brain. It's just, um, you know, maybe the right carbs is good. <laughs> okay, so liver and kidney yin deficiency. So some symptoms for this is obviously no periods, primary or secondary. Um, dizziness, dry eyes, blurred vision, insomnia, low back pain, night sweats, and tinnitus, so ringing of the ears. Um, so this type is really somebody who's been under a high amount of stress for a long period of time, overworked, overtrained. You kind of want to think maybe more of an adrenal fatigue type of person, um, or maybe even like a great example would be a grad student who's um, working out six days a week, doing all the things, make, getting everything done and, you know, their stress is just really high and they're never allowing themselves the time to recover. Um, so this is kind of that pattern. Um, so nutrition, apples, asparagus, clams, crab, duck. So if you see, these are more um, colder proteins, which I guess cold is not the right term. Proteins from like the ocean, clams, crab, um, those help support that kidney yin more. Um, they're a little bit more, I don't wanna say necessarily cooling cause they are cooked, but they just have a, a more of a yin supportive, um, what's the word? A yin supportive um, quality. And then pork, eggs, peas, pineapple, coconut milk, and then reducing caffeine. This, as much as this person probably would really feel better about having caffeine, reduction of the caffeine is really gonna help support that, um, that kidney in and also the stress. Um, lifestyle changes would be a yin style yoga. So yin yoga is more of, if you're not familiar of a restorative yoga, there's not a whole lot of movement. You're, staying in one position for a longer period of time and really just deep breathing. Meditation is gonna be really great for this person too. And then low intensity body weights. And one of the most important things that we could um, do for this person is like trying to get them eight to 10 hours of sleep per night. Sleep is gonna be one of the most important things in this whole process, especially with regulating any hormones because your sleep is the time where you recover, where your body does all the things it needs to do to heal itself during the night. And if the sleep isn't great, um, or if you're not getting enough sleep, it's going to be a lot harder to get to full recovery. Heart and kidney yin deficiency. Um, so no periods after emotional problems, heart palpitations, would be a sign, insomnia, the night sweats, red cheeks, anxiety, dizzy, low back aches, and tinnitus again. Um, this kind, you wanna think of maybe some trauma, PTSD, and then from resulting in that also adrenal fatigue. Uh, bananas would be really great for this person, avocado, spinach, seaweed, pears, lemons, great. 
the coconut milk again and egg whites are really helpful for supporting the yin. So lifestyle, meditation, consistent sleep routine. And when I say consistent sleep routine, more so really making sure that that person, especially if they've had any emotional trauma, feels really safe going to sleep. So the routine is always the same. Maybe you're taking a bath right before bed and then um, doing some breathing exercises and not having any TV on or whatever seems to work for you consistently and doing it regularly so that you can restfully get eight to 10 hours. Um, that's gonna be ideal for sure. The yin yoga would be really great for this person. And then counseling or support group is gonna be really helpful too because being with people who understand what's going on with you and have some understanding and support is gonna be really helpful in getting that kidney yin and that heart deficiency, that anxiety that those people feel um, down, which is important. So heart and spleen, or heart and spleen blood deficiency. So no periods after an emotional sadness or emotional stress, worry, or grief. This could be loss. Um, it could be a life change, um, which would result in symptoms of palpitations, heart palpitations, anxiety, insomnia again, fatigue, poor appetite, or loose stools. Um, this is somebody who's been under high stress for a long period of time as well, overworked, overtrained, but um, is really struggling emotionally as well. And so really getting that person, um, not only the nutritional support, like so the sweet potatoes, the grapes, bone broth, spirulina, things to help boost their energy, but um, things like adaptogens, so holy basil, nettle tea, those things, if you could do those on a regular basis, they're going to help calm that nervous system um, and also help nourish. Nettle has a really high mineral content, um, so you can drink a decent amount of it and it actually will help um, the body kind of stay more grounded, but then also boost that energy, which is great. Not a lot of herbs do the same one in the same. They either boost and like you're kind of high on energy or like down like uh, boosting the yin. So this boosts yin and yang, if that makes sense. And then lifestyle would be yoga, walking, hiking, a consistent sleep routine again, and then regular meals often and mindful meals. So not eating while you're on the go or not eating at your desk while you're working, um, really trying to be present and maybe um, having some gratitude for the meal while you sit down and like enjoy it if you can, I know. Our lifestyles generally don't allow for that, but it's definitely helpful. And if you can try to, to do that as much as possible, it's gonna help the digestive system give you the nutrients that you need to um, help support the body. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you totally free this is a master class I've called it my master class because I have put everything into this right this master class is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy 
this is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. So chi and blood stagnation, the symptoms are secondary amenorrhea um, with irritability, mood swings, bloating, abdominal pain, waking at night, specifically from the hours of one to three, that is that, uh, that liver channel time. And so if you're waking at night and having a hard time going back to sleep, wide awake, and then you finally fall asleep and then you're exhausted, that's that uh, liver chi kind of getting stagnated. Um, refreshed from working out. So these people generally have an excess of chi that is not able to move. And so for people who feel so good after a high intensity workout and they're lighter and they feel like a nicer person, that is this pattern for sure. Stressed and overworked. Um, some of the nutrition stuff for this is actually a little bit different than the other ones because it's more of an excess versus a deficiency. So mustard greens are really helpful for moving chi. Kale, spinach is great. Um, these are things that kind of um, are lighter foods versus like the heavier, denser meats and, and yin supportive stuff. Limiting caffeine is going to be really helpful. Lemon balm um, is a, a herb that you could make a tea out of. And that holy basil, again, is also an adaptogen, which will kind of, the body does with it what it needs, but it's also very grounding and helpful for um, stress and anxiety. And then lifestyle, alternating high intensity workouts with yin yoga. So this isn't um, working out six days a week, doing crazy intense workouts, but that high intensity for a short period of time to where you get that release of chi and then alternating it with supporting that yin. So you got that healthy balance of yin and yang is gonna be way more effective um, than just 
doing one or the other for this person. So a healthy balance of burning energy with those restorative practices. Cold and blood stasis. Um, this is a secondary amenorrhea uh, for sure. Abdominal pain is pretty much the main and only symptom that's, and it's relieved by warmth. This could be a trauma or surgery type in the uterus or bladder area. So if you had surgery there and then all of a sudden are having amenorrhea post-surgery, um, excessive cold in the uterus can occur from that or even just living in a really, really cold area um, or being somewhere with your midriff open, those, those are things that could cause this to happen. Um, Nutrition-wise, ginger, onions, leeks, radishes, parsnips, all those things that are really warming and pungent and moving uh, are gonna be much more effective for relieving this kind of pattern. And then lifestyle, a warm water bottle or a heating blanket on the abdomen nightly. You could also do it on the low back. Light to moderate exercise, hot yoga would be really helpful. And uh, moxa, well, moxa is actually an herb that we burn near the skin to help bring uh, nutrients and blood flow to the area. That would also be really beneficial. And that's something uh, if you find an acupuncturist that you work with that you could do on a regular basis to help move that. If you can do it daily, it um, can increase the uh, effectiveness with, um, with resolution, if that makes sense. And then phlegm and damp in the uterus. Uh, symptoms would be secondary amenorrhea, overweight, fatigue, heavy limbs, profuse vaginal discharge, and nausea. This is that traditional PCOS, uh, what they generally term, uh, categorize people in. And then there a lot of the other ones that we have spoke about could be um, diagnosed as PCOS, but it's not that traditional um, type, if that makes sense. So when people go to the doctor and they're like, oh, well, you don't actually have like the body type for PCOS, but you are having these symptoms and, you know, these hormone levels. This is the traditional, if that makes sense. So eliminating dairy would be really helpful. Cooked vegetables, reducing processed sugars, adding cinnamon, turmeric, and garlic often. Those are going to help not only support the, the blood sugar, but also help support resolving some of that dampness in the body. Lifestyle changes would be swimming, resistance band, uh, body weight exercises, yoga. This one also, uh, this qigong and tai chi are also really helpful. Those are two Chinese medicine practices that basically are um, almost, a, it's a martial art essentially, and it actually helps you uh, cultivate more qi uh, while also gently moving so that it's not too intense for the body. So I have done uh, two graphs for you guys or charts of all of these. So if anyone wants to look at them, they're exactly all the information that was in the slides, but it's kind of nice to compare and contrast from one to the other. So those are there for you if you need or want to look at them. I'll just leave them there for a second. And then um, tips for lifestyle rebuilding for nourishment. So one of the most important things, I think I've already said this quite a few times, is sleep. Uh, key is eight to 10 hours per night. So, so important because that's when the body recovers, it rebuilds, uh, it really helps 
just restore everything. So that's one of the most important things that I tell almost every patient when they come in is we need to try to get you getting eight to 10 hours of sleep per night. Not always going to happen, but at least trying to get to that. And if you can, if you're working too much during the week or you don't have time during the week, getting some extra sleep over the weekend, if that's uh, possible, is really, really helpful. Uh, meals should be consumed slowly and thoughtfully. So no eating on the go, no eating while you're working and no rushing to eat. That is going to be a lot of strain on the digestive system. And so if you can eat quietly and thoughtfully and slowly, it can actually help you absorb those nutrients better. And then realize more uh, mindful eating. So intuitive eating, knowing like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm good. I ate, you know, what I needed to rather than just scarfing your food down really fast and then getting on with your day. Mindfulness. So being present in the current moment. And then one of the things is having some compassion for yourself and remembering that your body is amazing and deserves that self-care and support. I can't tell you how many people come in and they want to get better and they are doing the things, but they, they're so hard on themselves and they don't want to have to need help. Um, but it is important and you can't give from an empty cup and, you know, this is the only body we have. So we got to take really good care of it. And then take it one step at a time. Change takes time. So it's, expecting that things are going to change in one, uh, one month or, you know, one menstruation cycle, the body needs some time to heal and recover. And, um, we should give it that time. So things to remember when working with a practitioner, um, and these are just kind of tips for any practitioner, but it is helpful um, specifically when pertaining to Chinese medicine. So if you find a practitioner that you feel comfortable with and trust, commit to the process that they're, they're showing you. Following recommendations to the best of your ability will help them help you. Um, so if you know that you have a really hard time taking pills or herbs or tea or whatever that they're recommending to you, maybe committing to setting a reminder in your phone or having the uh, herbs in your purse so that you could take them when you're on the go, um, or really trying to um, commit to maybe the sleep cycle or sleeping a little bit more. Those things are going to be really helpful. Um, and then just jumping into it, committing to it. Um, another thing is no details too small or insignificant. A lot of the times when people come in for their initial consult, the they'll they'll tell me, oh, I don't know if this is, this is important or if I should tell you this, but blah, 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 blah. And like, really it is important. There are times where I'm like, wow, thank you for telling me that because I wouldn't have known to maybe try this or to give you this. So there is no detail that's too uh, insignificant. And then um, while you're, you're seeking professional help from a professional, you know your body better than anyone. You live in it. 24 or seven. So you're important to, to care, your input into care or to letting the practitioner know, Hey, I, I tend to do better with this rather than this is really important. And, and they should listen to that too. So just, you know, trust yourself, trust your body. And then I recommend when you're working with a new practitioner, only do one practitioner, not at a time, but don't, go into it and say, okay, I'm going to switch my whole 
my life, my whole lifestyle, I'm going to see a chiropractor. I'm going to see a naturopath. I'm going to see an acupuncturist, a massage therapist, because while it's great to have a team helping you with those goals, it's hard to see what's actually making those shifts if you start all these things all at once. So another thing too is a naturopath may give you a bunch of things to take and then your acupuncturist may say, hey, you need to take these herbs and switch this and you're never going to know what really is working unless you kind of pick one thing to commit to at a time. Um, and then for sure, while Chinese medicine is definitely effective, remember that no one modality alone can fix you unless you're willing to put in the work too. So committing to doing some of the things that need to be changed or taking the herbs or even just showing up for appointments, all those things are really all play into the healing process, if that makes sense. And mindset, you know, believing that it's going to work um, is very, you know, helpful too. And then just staying focused and staying focused on what your goals are. And then remembering, because, you know, especially if you see an acupuncturist, acupuncture can help with a lot of things. A lot of the times I've had people come in and they want to get their hormones balanced or they want to get pregnant. And then they also come in and they're like, hey, you know, my neck and shoulders are hurting. And like, while we can fix all of those things, making sure that the main goal is what you want. So, um, and reminding your practitioner too, like, hey, I, I do have this going on, but my main thing is I really want to continue working towards getting my period back or working towards whatever. It's, it's important for both of you to stay focused, if that makes sense. Um, and so how to work with an acupuncturist. The ideal uh, or combination of acupuncture, herbal medicine, and functional nutrition lifestyle is always the best, right? That's all of the things, making sure that you're hitting every key point, but sometimes that's not always possible. And so maybe making sure that you have your um, expectations clear on what you can actually commit to. So if you are somebody who's on a lot of medications and you want to try acupuncture, but herbal medicine maybe isn't the best plan for you to start, then that's okay. And communicating that with your practitioner is a good thing to do so. Um, and then remembering that natural medicine is not just a quick fix. It does take time. It does take effort, um, but it does work. However, many uh, there are many ways that treatments also can be tailored and modified. So if acupuncture is something that seems really scary because you're nervous of needles, um, a really great alternative is acupressure and the practitioner can do that for you or teach you how to do it on yourself. And then you can combine that with herbal medicine or, you know, cupping or mindfulness. There's lots of different ways that an acupuncturist can help you, even if it isn't just with acupuncture. And if you're already on your health journey, adding an herbal support or supplemental support to help boost the deficiencies is also very beneficial and can, can help speed up the process. Um, so this type of medicine is all encompassing. You should notice symptoms kind of subsiding along the way. So things that you were not necessarily coming in for. So maybe the insomnia is getting better and you're sleeping better at night or your temperature is more regulated. Those are things to notice and pay attention to as well because we're really treating all of you and not just um, the one thing that you're coming in for, if that makes sense. Do you guys have any questions? That was a lot. 
Yeah, Ashley. Um, so cool. Like, I love all this. So like my nerd is like, bing. But one of the questions was more like the spleen. So a lot of times about the spleen, ying or right, ying. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you can scroll back to it, but it was more talking about like bloating and food intolerances. And I know that whenever our clients, and I know I personally, whenever I was like deep in HA, so severely like clearly not like malnourished, right? Um, Like, I feel like my food sensitivities, anytime I'm underweight, I feel like my food sensitivities get really bad. Then it's the bloating and then obviously the stress, right? So is that like, I mean, I know it's not in my head, but how can this like explain like the spleen, yeah, yeah, the spleen wow. and kidney about, um, and then probably obviously not eating enough carbs. And it's interesting that in that moment, like I would be like drawn to warm oats with cinnamon. I was just like, I just like I ate this like a wild person. And a lot of our clients actually will eat a lot of warm oats, even though they're still undernourished. Yeah. So the spleen chi is basically. Um, your digestive system, right? So the spleen and the stomach are the ones that basically give you, they turn the food into nutrients for your body to absorb. So if your spleen chi is deficient, you're going to have a lot more of food allergies, food insensitivities in general. And so it is a tricky thing because a lot of the times the, the herbs that support that and the foods that support that are carbs that have maybe gluten in them where people can tend to have more of a reaction. So without getting into the crazy details of it, looking and generally those people, like I was talking about that fall into other patterns may have more of a, a liver excess. So that would have been let me see if I can find it. But basically it's the irritability. It's that, um, uh, like stress in the neck and shoulders, those kind of things that also will actually counteract on that spleen chi. So it, it, um, depletes that spleen chi. And so it's, you want to support that liver chi first. That's where I was talking about where you reduce the excesses and then support the deficiencies. And that's generally when we're treating how, how it works, but Yes, very much so it is related to like food sensitivities and things of that nature. And it's funny that intuitive eating of like, oh, well, you crave those carbs, you crave the the cinnamon with the oats and the, you know, warmer foods. Um, really, it's important to listen to the body because a lot of the times people are like, I love smoothies and I, I want to eat these smoothies, but like they make me feel sick <laughs> or I feel bloated after or salads. I see a lot of people that come in and they're like, I eat really well. I eat um, salads for lunch every day. And then I have a lull in the day of energy at like two o'clock. And it's basically because those people have a spleen chi deficiency and then put cold salad into their, into their burner. So it kind of just depletes that, you know, the, the heat that's digesting your food. When you get your food, when you look at how calories are, calculated it's in kcals but they basically burn the food in a furnace and it's however long however many kcals it takes to burn it if that makes sense so you're putting cold wet stuff into your furnace any other questions 
Elizabeth, do you yeah. have one? Um, I have a, a couple actually. <laughs> so um, yeah, just like um, Ashley just said, I'm also that spleen and kidney yang deficiency type, but I was never restricting carbs. I was restricting fats a lot and I actually ate a lot of carbs. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm more this type. My, my cousin once told me I have liver cheese stagnation. So I don't know if this would fall also in this Absolutely. category. Okay. Well, so like I was just saying with the liver cheese, so, and it, I'll go back to this slide if you look, and this is why I, like, it gets kind of confusing because this is like, you know, two or three years of Chinese medicine school, but it's cool, I'll explain it. So if you look at the liver, this is the liver. This is where the liver can overact on the digestive system here if there's too much. And so what happens is when it overacts, it'll cause bloating, gas and uh, like gas, digestive upset, loose stools. And it basically, the more stress you have on that, the liver chi, the more it'll take out the, the earth in the the spleen chi. And hey. so even if you were not restricting calories or carbs, if your liver chi stagnation was so much that like you're, it was overacting enough on that, it would cause you to have all those symptoms, even if you weren't restricting carbs, but it tends to be somebody who is restricting carbs. That makes sense. So, and that's where we get into like, not everybody falls into only just one pattern. So, yeah. That so. makes a lot of sense. And also yeah. like I've, I've really big trouble when seasons change and that's also when the earth element comes in. So mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. Yeah. That, so that is also, if you look at wood, wood generate the two channels that are related to wood are liver and gallbladder. And the gallbladder is the changing of the season. So, or the changing of um, time zones. So whenever somebody has an issue with that, if you go to nourish and support the gallbladder and regulate that chi, they tend to be fine after like the shift of that. Um, but for you specifically, if we go back to, let me see if I can find, um, even though you have the patterns for that spleen chi deficiency, oops, oh my gosh, it went way too fast. <laughs> this uh, chi and blood stagnation is gonna be um, more helpful for you. So eating that mustard greens, the kales, the spinach, lightly uh, cooked vegetables, those kind of things, and the holy basil, the lemon balm, that will help regulate your liver chi to help support your spleen chi. Mm -hmm. So that I definitely would recommend doing that. And then also, do you tend to feel better with uh, like high intensity workouts or do you feel depleted yeah i'm not allowed to do them anymore according to danny yeah. <laughs> i mean and really I, I usually do yeah the recovery to that is so you could do other things by like reducing your caffeine intake supporting eating more things that reduce that like liver chi that stagnation and then you wouldn't have to do those high intensity workouts but okay. for somebody who will have like a meltdown if they don't do something <laughs> it's good to like get maybe only one workout like that a week and then build with that restorative yoga mm -hmm. oh. since you're on this slide it yeah. says waking waking at night between 1 and 3 a.m i wake up at 4 a.m every night oh, is that okay. a certain 
Yeah, so it is um, that a lot of people can will say that too between one to it's usually one to four, but the time for the liver channel is one to three and the three to four is like that time frame is transitioning from the liver to the lungs lung channel. So it'd be interesting if you tend towards any asthma or allergies um, mm -hmm. that could be or even like grief loss, something like that. Sometimes it can shift a little bit, but most of the time it's usually one and three, but could happen. I guess maybe clocks are off in different time zones too. <laughs> but yeah, Great. that is a definitely a thing. And I do see sometimes people be like, I always wake up at 4 a.m., but they have like a very clear, distinct liver channel uh, excess. And so it's not always set in stone. That's the thing. It's very mm -hmm. fluid, the, me the medicine in general, because everyone's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Now I was just wondering because when I wake up like half an hour later, I am really sick. Like I have extreme morning sickness. So I thought maybe that's that's some kind some kind of related, but probably not. Um, like so sick that like if you do you feel hungry or do you feel? It's like not like it's your stomach. It's not like throwing up sickness, but it's just like very deep and and heavy nausea. That, huh. And it goes away when I drink warm water or hot or tea. Yeah. So that would be, um, so the nausea is really indicative of like a spleen chi deficiency. So probably I would imagine what, and it's not always set in stone, like I said, but what I'd imagine, what do you eat before bed? Um, mostly yogurt and, oh. and cereal. Right before bed? maybe two hours, two hours so before. Maybe if you cut out, so the, I would say you want to try to maybe eliminate any like cold wet, cause that's going to like hurt that spleen chi. So if you mm -hmm. did something uh, like warm, maybe like some almonds or something like even oats, like almost like an oatmeal kind of warmer mm -hmm. food before bed with a protein, you may notice that that nausea goes away because what happens with like dairy and that's, I forget where that one was. Let me see. That it's was actually a dairy like, alternative. It's not really dairy. It's just almond yogurt or, but it's still wet and cold. Yeah. And sweet. yeah right. And cereal too. Cereal is like a cold, wet yeah. carb. So mm -hmm. try even, you could even try just warming it up the cereal, like heating up the milk before you mm -hmm. had um, before you put it in there and see if that doesn't make a shift. But generally that nausea in the morning is a spleen sheet deficiency. And, um, you may notice that that kind of resolves or even doing a little bit more protein before bed. Thank you. No problem. So excited. It's fun to do. <laughs> cool. Well, we have two minutes. So I, there was a couple other questions. Um, one of them, I feel like you actually answered pretty much at the end of your slide, but Elena just said that she recently tried acupuncture and is planning to go regularly for the next couple of months. Are there specific instructions that should be given to an acupuncturist by someone like me who has got their period back, but is potentially still quite fragile? She says she's explained to her acupuncturist um, what she has been through, but doesn't know if they fully understand. And um, yeah, like she's worried about them. I don't know, I suppose exasperating an issue or not being gentle enough with 
yeah should should you give should you communicate yes absolutely definitely communicate to them because if especially when you've seen uh, a practitioner who's seen somebody uh, seen so many people and has a lot of experience generally if you see somebody who's brand new they're extra extra careful but as practitioners get to be a little bit more um they they think that they're understanding everyone you know they they get to be where they're like oh i know this mm-hmm. i got this and a lot of the times if you have a concern about that that is something that you should definitely voice and voice again and again because you want to make sure that you're heard. And sometimes, unfortunately, we're all human, right? We all kind of like think, oh, okay, we know what this is going on. If you're concerned about it at all, you could end up, even if they didn't do anything that was causing that to happen, it could, if you don't feel heard, you could end up having that happen, even if they didn't do anything, just based on like, not the placebo effect, if that makes sense, but like kind of just being concerned about it. And then it like pops up. Have you ever like had, you're like, oh, I know I should say something. I know I should say something. And then it just, you didn't. And then something happened. I think it's really important to, to feel that you're heard and make sure that they understand you because then if you don't run into any problems, they know you communicating it and telling them maybe, Hey, this time, can you go a little bit less needles or can you do a little bit less intense, um, stimulating of these points? I mean, it's your treatment. So they need to respect that for sure. Oh, there you go, Elena. Um, yeah. The other questions were about like, maybe we'll have to do it like a part two. They were about yeah. herbs and stuff. And um, oh, yeah. didn't and, even touch on. So, well, yeah, yeah. I actually, I think um, I talked about here too. And if anyone has questions, so this is, where did it go? So just how to work with me or how to like, get some more information about herbs. Um, I didn't put anything about herbs because I didn't want to be responsible for people self-medicating themselves, yeah. um, which like just good to be safe. But um, if you are not in the local Austin area, um, I always do herbal consults via phone or Zoom. So you could like do a full intake and then we could do an herbal consult that way. And then we could ship herbs to you if you're not in the local area. Um, but it's just at rxacupuncture.com. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely herbs are super, super helpful. And the best way that I like to say, there's two ways. If you are not very compliant, doing pill form herbs are very helpful because you just do it. It's fast. It's easy. But part of like creating your own tea and like not creating, but like concocting it, teeing it, brewing it and having a cup sit to do that and drink it is also very helpful. So you can kind of go both ways. If that makes sense. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Well, I'll put those links in the links to go find you if anyone wants more information or to do a consult or something. And I, I thought this was really helpful. Thank you very much. I thought the nutrition stuff was really interesting. Um, I definitely saw myself in the, which one I wrote it down. I'm the kidney and <laughs> deficiency. Um, yeah. So thank you so much guys. And also the little, little tidbit on like the importance of picking one practitioner at a time. Um, I think that that's huge and it's, it's cool to hear that from a practitioner because I've definitely been in a situation where I've been seeing multiple people at once and then they'll have like conflicting advice Absolutely. and, and you're almost like, you almost like don't want to tell them that you're like doing this other thing with this other person and you get all weird about it. It doesn't work generally. 
I've had a person come in and they've been like, I'm seeing my naturopath. And then we were working on a a lung condition. And then he was taking stuff that was contraindicating my herbs. I'm like, it's not going to work that way. So it's really important to just be clear of what you're doing, but then pick somebody, pick one thing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Chat with you girls. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, we'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So Temp Drop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So temp drops accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs. And then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction. TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code so just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code afhasociety i think too if you just go to tempdrop.com and and use um, afhasociety at the checkout that will work too so happy temping and good luck This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. 
I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.